Hey y'all, welcome to the E-Reads Podcast. I'm your host, Liz, and you have found my podcast where I talk about authorship, writing, and all the different parts of the creative process. On today's episode, I have Kyle Shoup here, and we're talking all about that inner critic, getting over those voices that might stop us from writing. Before we jump into that, let's learn a little bit more about Kyle and the books that he writes. He is a multi-genre author of compelling stories. His new Sense of Love series is a romance series that provides rewarding and inspirational stories. Each book tells a different compelling love story through the lens of one of the five human senses. Kyle is also the author of the Asaya Bishop Trilogy, which is an action-packed fantasy series. All books in that series are now available, with Asaya and the Animal Kingdom being the first in the series. At a young age, Kyle was recognized for his storytelling by being awarded the first place Gold Key Award for fiction writing in Washington State. After spending several years volunteering in his wife's elementary classrooms, he was inspired to write the Isaiah Bishop Trilogy. He is now motivated to share the compelling stories in his new romance series. In addition to writing novels, Kyle is also an attorney. Now that you know a little bit about Kyle, let's have a quick ad and jump right into this episode. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome, Kyle. How's it going? I'm great. Liz, thanks for having me. Awesome. I, listen, I cannot wait uh, to, to pick your brain because... I absolutely struggle with being my biggest critic. Um, I will look at a scene. I I think this is specifically why editing is taking so long for me because Uh I overlook at something. I see all the flaws and it's really hard for me to see where things are going well. So uh, I'm excited for tips. As someone who has written eight books. Yeah, yeah, eight (laughs) books. It's crazy to say that, but yeah, eight books. Fantastic. So, so I got a question just to ease you into things. Sure. And my question is, right, so we're talking about like criticism oh. and, and all of that. But my question is, if this person were to give you praise, you know, who is it that it would just make you melt and you'd be like, oh, my God, like I'm over the moon? Um, Give me praise. Oh, geez. That's a tough one because I write for myself. I think so this is maybe the selfish answer, but that's a great question, Liz, but like, cause my number one rule is I write for myself. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. So if I can finish something, whether it's a paragraph, a scene, a chapter, whatever, and feel like, yeah, I think it'd be myself. Oh, yeah. that is so profound on so many different levels, though, right? Like, <laughs> and I genuinely mean that because it shifts everything, right? If you can refocus and just say, like, I did a good job on this, you mm-hmm. then retake control and you can better take criticism. I mean, I might be overthinking that, but like, I'm going no, to take that. 
I think that's the heart of it because like I said, I write for myself. And the reason why is like, so, cause yes, I got eight novels, but they're in two very different genres. Mm-hmm. Like one of them, it, the, what I, um, it's the Ace of Bishop trilogy. That's like this middle grade fantasy action adventure. The purpose of that series is very different than my, my uh, sweet romance series, the, the senses of love series where those are, I, I just want to, um, inspire and compel yeah. people through love stories, right? Very different meanings, but with which each, each of those books, as I'm writing, if I can't have that reaction myself mm-hmm. while writing, then my my perspective is how could I ever expect somebody across the country that doesn't know me and just randomly found my books or heard about them to have that same response? You know? mm. So I think that makes me my biggest critic. You know, have you written something and you just thought, wow, I wasn't expected to have this response. I mean, have you had that in your own writing before? Yes. So um, yesterday, actually, I, I was I was writing this scene and these characters who are right there's their soulmates. They they have this love. And it's not a romance at all, but there's a romance component with these two characters. They're a husband and wife. And you see the moment that this relationship is fractured. And every time I read the specific line, I just have to be like, like, stop. Because like, I'm there and I can imagine and feel how she would want to respond if the love of your life kind of like says this. And so, yeah. And so I love that and thinking about- Okay, wait. Are you able to spoil anything? If if you don't want to, that's fine. But oh, cool, what does cool. she say that? So yeah, what so, happens? What she say that evokes that response? Yeah. So what happens is, um, I have my character Eli, and um, it's about these people, um, right? They're in this place of war, right? War is over, but he is still on the battlefield, right? So he's kind of having these post-traumatic stress reactions, right? Irritable, all of this stuff. And it comes to a head where she's just like, get it together, right? You're driving me crazy. And um, and he's kind of like, well, what if I don't? And I'm just like, whoa, did you just like kind of draw <laughs> this line in the sand with this woman who is strong and loves fully and like, well, what if I don't like, this is not the woman you want to say this to because she's not afraid to go toe to toe with you. And Uh, I just feel that. Yeah. And would it scare you if you didn't feel that in that moment as a writer, would you be like, wait a minute, do I need to restructure things or change? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think so. Because I think you need to feel this because I think, it helps to kind of push because there's a moment where they leave each other in so many different levels. And mm-hmm. I think you need to have that reaction. You need to have this fracture um, yeah. because they're, we see them and they're so close, right? They're on the battlefield joking and having these moments of love and affection while there's chaos, right? That's how powerful their love is. And then to see the opposite, I think that's needed. Oh, thank you for helping me work that out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, love that question and, and and love that. And so you have these two series, right? And these two yeah. different um, genres. Yeah. And I have been in spaces where people are like, oh, stay in one genre. I've heard and like, you know, do do one thing. 
how was it in kind of breaking the mold and writing in different genres and writing stories that you're happy with? Good question. What's interesting right now is I'm I'm thinking about my next novel I'm writing and I, I feel like I'm taking another left turn. And recently I've wondered why, because I love writing each of those genres so much. Right. Um, I think I, I, it goes back to that central rule of I write for myself. Yeah. Right. Because if I don't, then it'll show on the page, you know, Ooh. and then it's just another book by Kyle Shoup instead of it is whatever the title is, you know, the touch of love, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, so what happened though with, with my, with my journey was so the, the Ace of Bishop trilogy was three books. And in the last book, uh, there's a chapter, which is very personal to the main character mm-hmm. along his journey. Um, of, it was wizards for sorcerers. And he found out his wizard lineage and all that. And the, the battle's building, but you know, also I, I wanted to make the battle very personal for him. And yeah. so there was this chapter towards, like the last two thirds, three quarters of the last book where it becomes very personal for him. Mm. I remember finishing that chapter and just saying, oh, I loved that. I loved being able to do a deep dive into the character instead of just focusing on the plot of what's happening next and putting this war together and all that. And so I think what happened was at the end of writing that trilogy, I just I wanted to explore that. And I had this experience happen to me when I was traveling for work in Portland. Um, You know, you're interviewing an author, so I tell stories. So I apologize in advance. Go right ahead. Um, I'll go right down this. So I had this, um, I I was out late one night uh, walking back to a hotel in Portland after Graham 70. And um, in between... I think it was like Buffalo Wild Wings in the hotel there. I walked through Pioneer Square in Portland and I've been to Portland several times growing up. I'm from Seattle. And, um, but this time there was a homeless guy sitting on the corner with, uh, a child and it mm-hmm. was late at night and they were going to be there all night. And I stopped and I talked with him for a few and just was unexpectedly touched uh, by what he said, I, I remember at one point I asked him, do you get, do you and your son sleep out here every night? Mm-hmm. And he looks me in the eye and he says, uh, we try not to. And he didn't ask for money or anything. And, and, um, I think it struck me cause I had a boy about that same age yeah. at the same time. And it just caused me to think about, you know, I don't know his backstory, but it just kind of dovetailed into we both ended up same corner that night. What's the difference, the different paths and not knowing his naturally as a storyteller, I started to buy something and turn it into something larger, but that really touched me and it helped me kind of segue into um, this, the new genre that was more character focused. Mm. So just kind of a little bit of backstory there. I, I love that. And, and that snowballed into five stories, <laughs> which I think and I love everyone. They like my kids. Like, you know, you don't have a favorite kid, at least that you'll admit. But anyways, 
yeah, anyway, so yeah, and I just finished wrapping up that series as last year. So now I'm thinking about what's inspiring me to do something next. Am I going to stay in the romance genre or um, make another left turn? So I don't know. Mm. What, if anything, can you tell to people who, you know, because I can imagine sometimes, right, when you're trying to break from something that is norm, right, whether it is, again, your genre, your character, plot structure, whatever that is, you know, you might have that sense of like, oh, my God, this doubt or this dread. Do you have any tips or anything that you would advise people who are like, how do I how do I shatter (laughs) this this doubt and just go for it? Yeah, I think it's like running the a mile for the first time ever or something like that, right? You got to start with the first step, mm. right? And likely the first time you try and write your first chapter on your first page, let's be real, it's probably going to suck. You know what I mean? But the more you keep putting one foot in front of another or you keep going to the gym, those muscles get stronger you know, Mm -hmm. and it comes easier. I find that's a case with me. I'm curious if you do too, like the more frequent that you write, the more those kind of creative muscles are developed and the easier it flows. Do you find that as well? Absolutely. And I think the more I kind of learned me, right. So like I think about, so, okay, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. So there's two novels, right? There's one that I have on Kindle Vela, which I'm like, this is the first novel. I'm going to finish this on Vela and it's going to be book one. I got feedback. Is I that the Prophecy it. series or is that? Yes. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. And I'm like, this is not book one. So then comes New Moon, which I'm like, this is the, the book. And yeah. it felt completely different. I think the first time I'm just trying to figure out like, who am I, right? And like, again, like the writing community is amazing and there's so much information, but you really have to shift through and say, okay, what part resonates with me and my style? And I think the first book I did that in, I was doing a lot of things that just didn't feel right or comfortable. With New Moon, I was like, ah, this is how I write. And it felt different. I, I'm going through the editing process before I send it to an editor. So I'm doing a self-edit, but I feel better. Like I look at it and I'm just like, okay, I don't need to take out a whole chapter. Like it just feels better. Like I'm happy revisiting. I'm proud of where it is. Where yeah. the first, I'm just like, yeah, like definitely like baby legs, baby steps were yeah. all over the place. <laughs> so absolutely. I think you you have to just do it. And that that helps you gain your confidence in that strength. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't need to be jumping right into the big novel idea you have. You know, since I finished the my the last in that series, which is The Touch of Love, it's it honestly is the book I've always wanted to write. It's this mm. dual timeline, World War II uh, and modern day and how they connect over generations. Just is the book I always wanted to write. And I finally wrote it. And honestly, I thought I was like, this is what I had always hoped it would turn out to be after that. I wouldn't say I had fatigue or any type of writer's block. I just, I was so satisfied in having finally come out with this long-term project that I was like, okay, I need to keep developing these muscles. So where this is going is I started writing short stories, you know what I mean? In a wide gamut of, of genres to just kind of keep that muscle going, but then also to see if I can develop, different muscles in different genres. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times for the reason you're talking about of maybe the first one isn't really what you should be doing. It's, you know, keep at it. So absolutely. Absolutely. And I think of, so like literally <laughs> Monday through Friday, I me and a couple friends, we meet 8 a.m. Eastern and we do like writing prompts and we do reading and writing and we talk about writing and like, like you're saying, you have to keep doing it, whether it's short stories, whether they're just prompts, but you have to keep building that muscle. Um, And and I can see like, even with critique and criticism, you have to keep challenging, right? As my dog agrees, right? (laughs) Right. When you have, whether it's a sense of doubt or dread, you have to challenge that and and it will get weaker and weaker every sense. Every time you challenge that thought and you replace it with, I'm worthy. I can do this. I like what I've written. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk real quick then about rereading your whether it whether it's during revisions or just later on down the road after it's come out, rereading your own work. What do you what's your experience with rereading your own work? Oh, that's such a good question. And I'm gonna also ask you because that's a good one. Sure. So yeah. I so again, first novel, hated the rereads, right? Like even when I got it back through editing, I was just like, ah, I don't know. Like I got it to a place where I'm like, it's okay. But I um, I felt like I was thinking too much about others and not me and not being true to what I wanted to. So now when I do rereads, I, I shift who's in the driver's seat and I'm like, this is what I want to read. This is what I want to create. And I feel like it's a different experience. And what my short story... Um, Snowfall, I feel like this is the story that I wanted to tell. And I reread that multiple times and it was a different experience. So I think when you are doing rereads, if it feels like cringe, just reframe and say like, okay, who's in the driver's seat? Like, is this what I want to do? Um, I think it really helps the the process. You know, what has it been like for you when you do a reread? Yeah, I think a lot of similar stuff because if you, as you're rereading, if you're too focused, if, if I'm too focused on what a bunch of readers who I don't know yeah. would be thinking about, that that that's an unrealistic expectation, right? I mean, um, and so at the end of the day, kind of my perspective, which I can say now, but trust me, for the first couple books, I was all about, you know... It, it didn't come as easily, but now I can be like, you know what? One day these books are just going to be on my own bookshelf. And I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to read them to my kids. I'm going to read them to my grandkids or whoever. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, that matters more to me what I think than what some stranger I don't know may think. Is this the story I want to tell? Now, there's a fascinating, I think, topic in there that comes up naturally with any art form, which I consider writing to be an art form because you're creating something from nothing. Right. right? Is when does that cycle of perfecting your own art end? Right. And that dovetails into the topic of being your own biggest critic, because you can be your own biggest critic to no end. Correct. Right. And so it almost takes um, just experience and time and maybe a little bit of luck to understand what your own voice is and to say, you know what, I've reread this chapter or this page or whatever, 
And there's probably better ways I could phrase it. There's probably fancier words or this or that. But at the end of the day, does it convey what I want it to convey? And sometimes not. You need to do, you know, a bunch of revisions. And that definitely happens for sure. But I think it just comes with experience and understanding your own voice to be able to say, nope, I'm going to pull the plug now. I mean, I've heard of authors that sit and revise the same book for like years on end. And yeah. to, to me, it's like, no, you know, I, I've got way more than just one idea for a novel. I, I, I want to, maybe that's my driving force is I want to eventually call this done because I have other ideas in my head that are also driving me nuts. Yes. And if I don't get on a page, we'll manifest in other ways to make me crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you know when to walk away when it's done? Like, I know I yeah. can tell, like, if I'm starting to edit the next chapter, but my mind goes back to something, whether it's a word, a sentence, I know I need to make a change. And once I've done that, like, it's like the editing voice is like, okay, done. I can move yeah. on. <laughs> so how about you? How do you know when it's like, okay, we need to put the plug in here? I, I, I completely agree with you. If something pops up while you're not in front of your laptop, that's key, right? Start with that and then work from there. Um, but for me, it goes back to um, what type of response I'm trying to evoke with the work, right? Mm-hmm. Like for example, my romance series, there was a lot of happy tears and then a lot of sad tears shed by me as I'm writing, which is mm-hmm. I know kind of unusual for a guy to say, or maybe not, I don't know. But anyways, th- it, it was a real thing for me where if if at a paramount scene that's supposed to evoke a response, I'm feeling that or tears, happy, sad, whatever, or I'm laughing or feeling this or that, then I know generally I got that right and to move mm. on. And if, if when I'm rereading, if I can see why I got to there, that was enough for me. Maybe tweak whatever I'm supposed to, but then move on. I try not to dwell on things too much. Um, mm-hmm. I maybe more forward looking than, you know, is, is rephrasing a, a word or a sentence alone really going to have that huge of effect from how I wrote things the first time? For me, probably not. Mm, I love that. And I wrote that down, you know, think about the response that you want to evoke, right? Because again, like I tend to write from a character driven standpoint, and I feel like I'm really strong getting feelings and emotions. Um, And if I focus on that, like, is this scene what I want to evoke? I think then I can quiet that critic. Because I think that's really what the critic is saying, right? And I think that's maybe interesting to think about. Like, what is your critic trying to alert you of, right? Is this not your authentic self? Is this not the emotion? Is, you know, just reframing that voice to say, okay, how is this helping me? So that way you're not distressed whenever it it shows up, but you can channel that. So um, I love that. Think about what you want to evoke. And that does manifest in different ways in different genres, obviously. I mean, if you write horror, you want to walk away feeling like, ooh, I'm going to, do I want to, you know, walk through my house at dark or whatever, you know what I mean? Or if it, right. whatever your genre is, you know, that's kind of what you should be seeking. To Absolutely. Yeah. Kyle, thank you so much for all these different words. You got my brain percolating and all of that. <laughs> you know, how can people connect with you? How can they find your books? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So um, on Amazon, obviously, uh, and 
I'm, I've learned a lot of people misspell my name. So if they just put in Kyle Shoop, K-Y-L-E-S-H-O-O-P. Um, yeah, I have eight books on there. They're both in ebook as well as uh, paperback. Um, I have two of them. The first in both series on uh, are on audiobook. Um, and those first are, so uh, the Ace of Bishop trilogy, that middle grade fantasy uh, fun adventure series. Uh, the first book has a lion on the cover and it's called Asa in the Animal Kingdom. Uh, my romance series doesn't need to be read in any specific order. They're all cool. individual standalone books with um, characters that like main characters in some books are background characters in others. So, it, but you can read them in any order. And the, uh, the, the one that just came out recently, there's the touch of love. I'm on Instagram as uh, writer Kyle. And uh, I have a website too. It's just kyleshoop.com. So. Fantastic. Y'all, if you missed any of that, please check out the episode show notes. It will be all there. Kyle, um, any last words to that person who, right, they have that draft, it might be done and they haven't hit submit, they, they're afraid to start. Any last words for them about getting rid of that critic? Boy, yeah, uh, keep at it, mm. you know, keep at it. It's, it's like I said, it's just kind of like starting anything new. If this is really what you want to be doing, if you want to write a story, whatever genre, whatever goal, um, it, it, yeah, just put one foot in front of another and just keep at it, you know, Definitely. and then maybe give it a little bit of time because you'd be surprised, like, give it a couple months, go back and read it. And, and maybe that inner critic has kind of quelled itself and, mm -hmm. and you enjoy it more than you, you remembered in the moment. So. Mm -hmm. If you miss your work, you know, like you're on the right path. And yeah, I think that's the better way of saying it. That's awesome. Please. Way to go. Thank you. Um, absolutely. All right, Kyle, listen, my last question for you is this, right? I, yeah. I love to end with a little inspiration that people can use and take with them, whether it's in their day and their writing and their music, whatever that is. If you had to leave us with a word or a phrase, what would you leave us with? Okay. All right. Um, Let's see. Now, now I'm looking around my, okay. Uh, music. Cause I got my guitars in the background. Oh, of that. nice. Music, for music. Cause now I'm, I've kind of also, I write music too. So like, that's something which is on my mind as well. Nice. Um, it, it's always interesting when I do these episodes because sometimes the prompts end up kind of going together. So <laughs> the previous episode, the prompt was dance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so music. So this is going to be a nice flow. I like this. This is awesome. <laughs> Dan, dance. Dance is a more. I like that. Man, I wish I thought of that one. Go music though. All right. Kyle, you have been absolutely fantastic. Please uh, do not be a stranger to, to the podcast and come on back anytime. I appreciate it. I like listening to your podcast a lot. So keep it Thank up you. and thanks for having me. The meeting is a fateful one, one where the stars align and the moon is half-lit over the horizon. Her stare is effervescent and misty, gleaming in the haze of the moonlight. My body is fueled by an electric pulse that makes my heart drum in my temples. Time passes and flows, yet Earth seems to stand still. 
It is only a moment that heaven and earth align when the past and present connect. Yet it is wondrous, a flicker, a remembering of epic proportion. She isn't supposed to see me. I am only supposed to be a glimmer, yet her intuitive sense aligns her to my presence. I am unaware if she truly sees me or if it is more of a sense. It's a beautiful thing to walk among the living when you no longer exist. When you are a haze unaffected by the noise, a beautiful glimmer in the dark, untouched by pain, but fueled by energy. Energy can never be destroyed. It only transforms. Like the transforming of a life touching another, like a pulse that exists long after it's gone, like a rambling carried in the wind. The bells dissipate, and I know I am being called away again. I steal one last look and catch the glimpse of a smirk. She mouths, until next time, and again we vanish in a haze.